The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Sing praises to the Lord, you His faithful people. Praise His holy name. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Your name, Lord, endures forever. Your renown, Lord, through all generations. May His name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. Then all nations will be blessed through Him, and they will call Him blessed. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. You have set Your glory above the heavens. Yet He saved them for His name's sake, that He might make known His mighty power. He sent redemption redemption to His people. He has commanded His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. This is the stone. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men which by which we must be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I write these things to you that you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. It is for the sake of His great name that He will not reject His people. For His name's sake and glory, He will deliver us from and forgive us from our sin. Mark and John told the early followers that it was because of His name that they would be hated and reviled amongst the people. And the Lord told His early followers, as a means of modeling prayer, He said, This, when you pray, this is how you should pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then we see all of these biblical commands and all of these thoughts, and we see that all of these thoughts originate from one main idea. You shall not take the Lord the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Pray with me. Good And holy God, may it never be said about us that we take your name lightly, that we take your name in vain. May it never be said about us that we are a people who loosely have the name of the Lord on our lips, who have lives that do not imitate or look like someone who has taken on the name of Jesus. Lord, would you teach us to cherish, to honor, and live lives worthy of your great name. We praise you and we love you and we pray these things 
in the matchless, wonderful, mighty, singular, holy, saving name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Names are vastly important. They can leave or mark a good legacy, or they can leave and mark a bad legacy. So they are vastly important. To this day, when someone asks me if I'm related to any Holbrooks around here, I say, that depends on which Holbrooks you know. <laughs> and when we, were in the, when we had our accident the other day, the traffic officer said, Holbrook, is that your dad? Is he an officer? Good guy. And that happens a lot. It was that name that got me out of a lot of tickets in high school. But it was also that name that got me into a few conversations about the other Holbrooks. Our names, our name is important because it distinguishes us from other people or it connects us to other people. Even though we have lost the understanding or the value or the meaning of a name, it hasn't always been so. During biblical times and honestly throughout most of history, and there's sort of been a revitalization of naming your children meaningful, uh, in meaningful ways, but the names have had special meaning. Names have told a story about the past or about the expectations of that person's life or even given as a hint to the lifestyle or the mindset of those giving the name. In the Bible, names were filled with great meaning. Adam means earth or from the dust because he was the first created. Abraham means the father of many nations. Isaac means laughter. Rachel named her son Ben-Nani, which means son of my sorrow. But Jacob wouldn't allow that to stand, so he changed his, son, his son's name to Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. The value and importance in a name is especially seen for the names given to the Lord. There are over 250 names given to the Lord. His names and titles are dual revelations to us. They reveal what Jesus Christ is in himself and also what he wants to do for us. A dual revelation. Who he is and what he wants to do. It may be his glory, his power, or his acts that prove who he is. But all of that is done in and for his name. So that there may be no mistake about the source of those great acts, that great power, and that great might. The name that God revealed was his personal name, Yahweh. It is known as the tetra, Tetragrammaton because it is made up of four consonants. It literally means I am who I am or I will be who I will be. Showing God's self-existence, self-sufficiency, and supreme sovereignty. Theologian Phil, uh, Philip Ryken said this of God's name. His supreme name was simply Yahweh, the Lord God. This name is much more than a convenient way to address God. It represents God's entire repu reputation. The literary term for this manner of speech is called synecdoche, in which one part stands for the whole. To explain that a little bit, he said, when someone says there are a lot of new faces in this room, they are implying that the face is a part of the whole and therefore stands for the whole person. God's name represents his whole identity. 
With that being said, and with the third command in in mind, we must be so conscious and so careful with the name of the Lord. We must be so careful and so conscious of how we use or don't use His name. How we worship or don't worship His name. How we teach from, swear by, or incite in any way. We live in and often willingly participate in a society that does not treasure God's name. As a matter of fact, His name is used in vain in almost every movie and every TV show. But the third commandment is... Much The third command is more than just how we use His name, but it also pertains to how we call upon His name in worship and how we use His name in oaths and covenants and other contracts. Now, I've been doing something for you, and I hope that it's been helpful. Each week I've been trying to come up with some short and concise points about the Ten Commandments. How we break it, how we keep it, that sort of thing. And we're going to sort of keep that theme going today. Before I do that, I have a tool that I want to give you that I've forgotten to give you the last two weeks. I want to give you to memorize the Ten Commandments. And you're going to do this with me today. Okay? I want you to do this with me. This is breaking from the sermon a little bit, but I think it's important. Number one, no other gods. One and only God. You're supposed to do this with me. One and only God. No other God. You don't have to say it. Just do the hand signal. Sorry. One and only God. Do not make any graven images. Number two, like your cut, you remember those little uh, people you cut out and you cut out one sheet, of, you folded a bunch of sheets of paper and you, and you cut out one person and you pulled it out and then there's a bunch of people? No graven images. Number three, watch your words. W, watch your words. Do not use the name of the Lord God's name. Do not use the name of the Lord God's name in vain. Watch your words. So that helps for, that's the first three. No other gods before me. No graven images. Do not use the name of the Lord. Do not, whatever it says, you know what I mean. (laughs) I can't, I'm stuck there. I need somebody to come hit me in the back of the head. All right, I know you will. So these 10 commandments, these 10 commands of God are vastly important. But we need to look at each of them separately and and see exactly the importance of um, what they mean, why they're important, how we can break them, and how we can keep them. So what I want to do for a little bit today is I want to look at how we break this third commandment. How we break the third commandment. I'm, I'm just for, I'm warning you. I've preached this message to myself. This message is going to be tough. It's going to be difficult because I'm going to speak directly to you. And I'm, going to, I'm, not, I'm not holding any punches, okay? So you need to be ready for it. And you need to be ready to get mad at me a little bit. But if you get mad at me, just remember you're getting mad at God. It's the Word of God. It's not me. The first way we... Uh, This one's going to be a a softball, so don't worry about this one. Uh, Just kidding. The first way we break the command of God is by taking, we take the name of God in vain when we simply use it as a curse word. When we simply use it as a curse word. This way that that the command uh, is broken is probably the most obvious. Most of us, when we were growing up, we were not allowed to say God or Jesus unless it was in worship. And if our parents were really astute, they even would frown upon gosh or geez or any variation of that. Believe it or not, this misuse of the name of God is the first and by far the most common way that people break the, th- the third commandment. We see it everywhere, and I've been guilty of it. In softball, when I was playing softball, I started this annoying thing, and it, it was really hard to break. 
And I would pop up or I'd make a mistake and I would say, God, bless America. And that was stupid. And it was my way of recovering because I would say the name of the Lord in vain, but I didn't want to say the name of the Lord in vain, so I would say, bless America after it. Or I would say, Jesus, and I would sing that lover of my soul song after that. I, to, it, was, it was annoying, but I could not break the habit because I was taking the Lord's name in vain, and I would not prevent and it, and I, and I wanted to make it look not nearly as bad, especially in church league softball. I wanted to make it look not nearly as bad, so, so I would do that. Which, of course, was not the right thing to do. It doesn't cover up what I was actually doing or the intentions of my heart. How many of us have has let the Lord's name in vain uh, slip when we were when we were angry or when we were upset in some way? I must confess to you, and I'm not proud of it, that I've used the name of Jesus in a moment of intense anger. All of this and more is taking on the Lord's name in vain. The people of God and throughout time have understood the importance of not breaking this command. This is the reason why you see Lord in the Bible, capital L-O-R-D, instead of the name Yahweh. Every time you see capital L-O-R-D, that is the official, the, the actual name of the Lord. Because the scribes and the translators did not want to risk pronouncing or mispronouncing the name of the Lord and therefore violating the third command. Taking God's name in vain is using it in any way out of the context with which, with which what is known as appropriate use, especially using his name as a curse word. Although this is definitely breaking the third command, this infraction is just a tip of the iceberg of breaking the commands of God. I want to give you a second way that we take, uh, breaking the third command, I want to give you a second way that we take the Lord's name in vain. Taking the, taking the name of God is vain, uh, in vain is using it to proclaim a false gospel or false prophecies. False teaching or false prophecies is so wrong because it uses the name of God in order to promote the name of the teacher, often taking the Bible out of context or disregarding the Bible at all. This is why you will never deter me from calling out false teachers and false prophets or even false teaching publicly if it's necessary or privately if it's possible. I will go on record and say, although it may seem inhumane, you need to hear me. This is where it's going to start getting tough to hear. I would pray that God would take out false teachers. Take them out of this earth. But especially the prominent ones in the world. You may say, well, Bryce, what about evangelizing them and and then becoming Christians? To which I would answer that, yes, of course, that's the objective. But the punishment for false teaching has always been death from the beginning. Because it profanes the holy name of God. Leviticus 24.10 tells a story. Now an Israelite woman's son, son, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the people of Israel. And the Israelite woman's son and a man of Israel fought in the camp. And the Israelite woman's son blasphemed the name and cursed. Then they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shalomith and the daughter of Debri of the tribe of Dan. And they put him in custody till the will of the Lord should be clear to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, bring out of the camp the one who is cursed and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head and let all of the congregation stone him and bring to the people of Israel saying, whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. 
All the congregation shall stone him, the sojourner as well as the native. When he blasphemes, the name shall be put to death. Well, Bryce, that's the Old Testament. Okay. There's a story of the sons, the seven sons of the Jewish chief of priests named Sceva. They saw that Paul operated under the name of Jesus and it brought him great power and great renown. So they attempted to cast out a demon in the name of Jesus. And the demon literally talked back to them. He said, Jesus I know and I know about Paul, but who are you? And the demon-possessed man beat them until they were bleeding and naked and run out of the city. Or as I would like to say, he beat the brakes off of them. In this story in Acts, you will find my passion. Listen, you will find my passion for calling out false teachers and, I will, and why I will do it until the day I die. The end of the story says, the people saw the fault of the false prophets of Sceva. They saw how dangerous it was to take the name of God in vain. And Acts 19, 18, and 19 reports that many confessed their evil deeds. They burned their scrolls for sorcery. And in, Acts tw- um, and, and in verse 20 says... In this way, the, Lord, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Friends, to condemn the teaching of a false teacher is to honor the name of God. And where the name of God is honored, the kingdom grows. I will always call out false teaching when I see it. Now, this is not a sermon on all false teachers, so I'm not just going to do a drive-by here on all the false teachers. But that is another way of breaking the, set, the third commandment, using the, uh, saying the Lord's, uh, Lord God's name in vain. Another way of breaking the third commandment is taking the name of God in vain, is swearing by his name to add believability, or breaking that, uh, breaking that covenant by which you have sworn. Taking the name of God in vain is swearing by his name to add believability, or breaking that covenant by which you have sworn. There was this... An, one of the many annoying things that the Kardashians did where they would say Bible every time they meant to, to um, really add validity to their story. And if you watch any video where someone's about to get into a fight on the internet, you'll hear them say, on God, on God. Have you ever heard somebody say that? On God. What they mean is, I swear to God. That's what they're saying. Jesus speaks to this in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more, anything more than this comes from evil. Just say yes when you mean yes, and no when you mean no. This extends... Uh, this extends using the name of God or the Bible to add your point, to add to your point, or to somehow give yourself authority. This also extends into areas where the athlete, first and foremost, wants to thank his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, listen, I think that that is a good thing to do. I think many times it's genuine. But oftentimes, what he's saying is the Lord Jesus Christ was on my team's side and not his team's side. It's pitting God against the other person. It is adding authority to your victory or it's adding authority to your accomplishment. It's like the Republican or the Democrat who uses, who invokes the name of the Lord and saying, well, the Lord's on our side and not on their side. It is using God to try to add validity to your point. 
which I believe is taking the name of the Lord God in vain. It's like the girlfriend who says she wants to date Jesus for a little while in order to break up with her boyfriend. Or your unique friend who tells you, the Lord told me something. All of these things are used as means of adding power or authority or believability to the speech of the one speaking. Typically, if someone says, God told me, and they don't point to where in the Bible, I do something like this. God told you. Can you show me? I do want to point out a little nuance, though. The third command is not forbidding making a covenant before or between you and God or eliciting the name of God for covenants. Can you name a few such instances where we make a covenant between ourselves and God? We elicit the name of God in a covenant? Marriage would be one. Salvation. Baptism. We are making a covenant between us and God. We are listening the name of God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we're baptized. The third command is not violated when calling upon or covenanting in the name of God. It is violated when we break that covenant. When we dive into the baptismal waters but we fail to walk in sanctification, we are blaspheming the name of God. Of God. When we break our marriage covenant that we made before God and in God's name, we are breaking the third command and therefore blaspheming, blaspheming the name of God. To reiterate, using God's name as a curse word, proclaiming a false gospel or false prophecies, and using God's name to add validity or breaking a covenant that you make between you and God. There are two more, and these may hit a little closer to home. The fourth is this. Taking the name of God in vain is found in weak worship. Taking the name of God in vain is found in weak worship. I bet most pastors, if they were polled and honest about it, would tell you that one of the most disheartening things on Sunday morning or during the week is their people's responses to holy things. I remember being a teacher of a young married Sunday school class at my last church. The people in that class were mostly considerate and were believers, but it was like pulling teeth to move the conversation to holy things. So everyone would show up late if they showed up at all, and then they would spend 30 minutes talking about SpongeBob or their kids' football or, 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 or their kids' sports or football from the weekend. And then I would spend half of that time, that 30 minutes, trying to wrangle them in to talk about holy things until one day in a not-so-godly manner, I told them what I thought about them. I told them that they acted as if they didn't care to talk about spiritual things or care that I spent time preparing to teach them about the Lord, that I didn't understand why they even came, and if they wanted to talk about all the other stuff, they should just do so at a different time. And then I told them that I was resigning as teacher and walked out the door. Now, I've learned to express myself and work through um, my anger more properly now. I was a lot more immature at the time. But I must confess to you, and I do it aggressively instead of passive-aggressively, that I get really angry at times in our worship services and in other spiritual things. Granted, we are a smaller conversation, so this congregation, excuse me, so this act of profaning the Lord's name is easier to spot. But I get angry righteously and sometimes not so righteously when I see people treat Sunday morning services so flippantly. 
People come in late to Sunday morning or MC, which I understand on some level. But don't tell me you're having trouble connecting with people if you come in late or you don't show up. Don't tell me our church is cliquish if you leave early, come in late, or don't spend time getting to know people. When we are here, we are on our phones, we're checking scores, social media, or texting the person in the next row about lunch. We start or finish conversations we could have or should have started or finished before or after the service or during the week. We either sing like we're at a white person's funeral or we don't sing at all. We don't connect. We don't connect while we're reading scripture, while we're preaching, or while we're praying. We sing how great the name of Jesus is, but practically his name isn't great enough to put us in bed at a good time on Saturday night. Or it's not great enough to get us up early on a Sunday morning. It's not great enough to get us to stay off of our phones for an hour and a half. We have no spiritual financial priorities. Meaning we drink Starbucks all week, we buy the best TVs, we drive nice cars, we eat out every other meal, and then we profane the name of Jesus by giving him what's left over. There are a lot of things that would make our faith more believable. And one of them would be how we treat his name when we sing about him, talk about him, and put our faith into action. Which brings us to the last point of taking the name of the Lord in vain. Taking the name of God in vain is found when we take up the name of Jesus in word and not in deed. One of the most serious violations of the third commandment is one that we might not often recognize. But calling ourselves Christians and then not living that out by growing in sanctification is taking the Lord's name in vain. Why? Because when we profess Christ, we are telling others and we're telling ourselves that we bear the name and the banner of Jesus. When we profess Christ and then we don't live in a manner worthy of our calling, we are acting practically as if he doesn't exist. Or we are profaning his name by giving others a false sense of what a Christian looks like. Friends, you can trust me when I say this. Your non-Christian friends and family have already developed a negative opinion about Christianity based on the lives of other so-called Christians that they have come in contact with, and they don't need any more examples of what it looks like to profess Christ and not live that way. God will receive the glory by whether or not we give it to him or not. But at times, we do more damage to the name of Christ when we live our life in a manner that is unworthy of our calling. When we take on the banner of Christ, but are unwilling to take on the cross. I told you previously that with every aspect of the Negative command comes a positive. So I've shown you how we can break the third command, but how do we keep the third command? How do we keep the third command? How do we take up the Lord's name in a way that is pleasing to Him? The first is this. Be intentionally respectful with the treatment of God's name. Intentional is the key word there. Be intentionally respectful with the, key, uh, with, with the treatment of God's name. The first things we can do is to move far away from using God's name in vain. 
we, by treating it respectfully, by treating it intentionally respectful. How do we do this? How do we intentionally treat the Lord's name with respect? I've got little three. I know there's a lot of points. There will be a lot of points to all the Ten Commandments. You can take pictures. You can type fast. Whatever you can do, you can write fast. Whatever you need to do, but you need to have them, or you can get them from me. How do we intentionally respect the name of the Lord? A is this under point, basically point one, after ten other points. We focus on and ascribe to him the great and marvelous things we see from the Bible. We focus on and ascribe to him the great and marvelous things we see from the Bible. We can take cues from David in 1 Chronicles 16, 23. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory. Do his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of of holiness tremble before him all the earth yes the lord is established yes the, the world is established it shall never be moved let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nation the lord reigns we place emphasis on his work we place emphasis on his works that are recorded in the Bible and try not to explain them away or demean them. We confidently, hear me, we confidently assert that God created the world in six literal days, 24-hour days, and he rested on the seventh. Instead of trying to say, isn't it scientifically impossible? We confidently assert that he flooded the earth and then he spoke the waters back. We confidently assert the acts in the Exodus at Jericho with Samson and with King David. We confidently assert the, the kingdom, uh, excuse me, the feeding of the 5,000 or the resurrection of Lazarus, the miracles of Jesus, and then the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus itself. Friends, you can explain away these miracles, but that makes you no better than the polytheist who ascribed the works of God to other gods with little G's. A seven-day creation is impossible, right? We must ascribe this act to the God of science and evolution. That is what polytheism is after all. It is to ascribe the works and power of God to anything but God. One way that we can keep this first command is to ascribe and to recognize the acts of God and ascribe them to Him. Another way Focus on and ascribe to him the great works he is presently doing. We must stop giving credit and glory to the other gods and other things for what is happening in our life. Whenever we are personally successful, we must stop carving an image to the God of the human spirit. Whenever life is difficult, we must stop carving an image to the God of bad luck. The Lord is doing real Red Sea type miracle things in our lives today and we must recognize those things he's doing today and ascribe to him the glory and honor and power that is due. We focus on and ascribe to him the great works he is presently doing. The third thing under this point of how we focus and give God the glory, we focus on and ascribe to him the great works that are still to come. 
Friends, we must stop carving gods to politicians, to social movements, or even to a specific church, and understand that creation will do what it will do because of the name of God and nothing else. Because of the name of the one true God and nothing else. I'm not saying to not be involved in politics or social movements or, or your church especially, but our day should be filled with much more praising and focusing on the Lord than the sign of the times. Our day should be focused much more on the Lord than the evil Democrats or the evil Republicans. Much more focused on the God who makes all things new than fearing a world that seems to be getting worse. We focus on and ascribe to, ascribe to him the great works that are still to come. Because even if this world completely fails, and it will, the Lord will come and he will judge this earth one day. But the good news is he still will return. We must commit daily to being, to being intentionally respectful to the name of God. Another thing we must do, and I'm not going to spend much time on this, is do not use God's name selfishly or coercively. We must stop assuming that the Lord is on our side and not on another, especially in arguments and disagreements with other Christians. The Lord is on the side of his children, but specifically those who speak him, seek him in spirit and in truth. Do not use God's name selfishly or coercively. The third thing and the last thing. One way that we keep the third commandment. Another way that we keep the third commandment. Change your ways or change your name. Change your ways or change your name. I don't usually tell you stories because I'm not great at them, but I also don't like telling stories that can't be or are unverified. I hate the whole cliche that I hate the preacher story cliche. I want to stay away from that. But every once in a while, this story goes like this. There was a story about a young boy who was brought before Alexander the Great. If it helps you just to consider this an illustration, do that. The story goes that a young, a young boy was brought before Alexander the Great for stealing a horse. And Alexander saw how young he was and heard his story and decided he would go easy on him. Getting ready to release him, Alexander asked the young boy, What is your name? He replied, Alexander, sir. Alexander the Great was furious and asked him again, What is your name? The boy this time with fear in his voice said, Alexander, sir. In anger, Alexander the Great threw the boy to the ground, pointed at him, and he said, Boy, change your conduct or change your name. We profane the name of the Lord God when we take on his name and then we don't live a life worthy of the calling from that name. When we don't follow him in obedience. But we honor the name of the Lord God when we take on that name and then we submit to him. We live for him. Paul begged the church at Rome in Romans 12, 1. He says, I beseech you. I appeal to you. You can hear him say, I beg of you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable and perfect. 
Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is, and this is key, God is an all-consuming fire. To one, He is a consuming fire that will consume and take up, completely annihilate. To another, He is a consuming fire that will consume and refine and the, in the end will come out pure, come out perfect, come out better. I mean this with as much passion as I can say to you. For the sake of the church, for the sake of those sitting next to you, bear the name of Jesus well or do not bear it at all. Let us do well to fight the good fight of faith. And treat the name of God with reverence and honor that he alone deserves. Pray with me. God, you are good. Your name is good and holy. And we trust you and we love you. And we give you, Lord, the respect and the honor and reverence that you deserve. Lord, would you help us to respect and honor and revere you in the holy things, Lord? Sunday morning service, missional community groups, special set-aside times where we can focus on you and worship you. But would you help us also, Lord, to focus in general at our work, Lord, in leisure, at our homes, Lord, especially behind closed doors. Would we not profane the name of Jesus by our conduct, Lord, by our lifestyle? You are good. And you are holy. And all of the things that make up your character make you worthy of all of the praise and all the honor we can give. Lord, would you help us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our act of spiritual worship. Would you help us not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we may know what is good what is acceptable, or that we may do that. We love you. We praise you. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And so we praise the name of Jesus today for our salvation, for our life, for our hope, for our future. It's in his name we pray. Amen.